taller than Rod. Hold on. All right. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, a few years ago, I was at a cafe and I was in line to order a coffee and uh, the guy in front of me makes his coffee order and as he goes to pay, he realises he left his wallet in the car and he's a bit confused, you know, what do you do? Turn around and I was like, I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to pay $3, whatever. And as he turned around, I realised it was Steve Smith, uh, the Australian test cricket ex-captain, one of the best cricketers in the world. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, I'm happy to pay for your coffee, Steve Smith, that's fine. And uh, yeah, we're sitting there, order our coffees and as he comes out, he's, he says, you know, I've got five minutes, do you want to sit down and have coffee? And I'm thinking... Okay, sure, I'll have coffee with Steve Smith, that's fine. And we sit down and we're chatting and he says, I'm actually um, you know, going to go to a net session, play some cricket after this. And we got on to the top and he said, do you want to come have a bowl? Sure, okay, Steve Smith, I'll come and uh, have a bowl. And I bowled and I bowled quite well. I got him out a couple of times and he said, Josh, you know, you should come New South Wales, have a training camp coming up. You should come and... Uh... Have you had a moment where you hear something and you kind of wonder, is that the real deal? If you didn't pick up, that story's not actually true. I couldn't think of, uh, to tell you the truth, I couldn't think of one single thing hap happened in my life that was so cool that a room full of people would struggle to believe in, so I had to come up with that. Uh, there are lots of stories, though, that are out there that uh, even if they are true, it's the kind of story where you go, that sounds pretty cool, but it doesn't really make any difference to my life, right? It, it doesn't make any difference to you. And I wonder if we can sometimes feel like that when it comes to Jesus. At Easter, uh, we come and we celebrate a bunch of stuff that Jesus did. And, and sometimes it can feel a bit like, really? You know, it's a nice story, but is Jesus the real deal? And even if he is, even if all that stuff really actually happened, why does it really matter? Have you ever felt like that before? The passage we're looking at this morning is Jesus, just a couple of sentences of Jesus' words as he speaks to his followers just after he's risen from the dead. And what Jesus says helps us answer those two questions. Is Jesus the real deal and does it really matter? Is Jesus the real deal and does it really matter? They're important questions and they're also kind of scary questions because if you're actually open to looking into them, you might find something that changes everything. So we're going to look at the questions one by one. We'll look at the first one. Is Jesus the real deal? Now, see, Christianity is unique in its claim to realness. It's unique in saying that the key foundation is something that you can and should test. It's something that you should look into. It's based on something that really actually happened. It's not asking for blind faith in spite of the evidence. You don't have to turn off your brain to be a Christian. There's stacks of things that help us to know that Jesus is the real deal. And this passage gives us three of them. So let's look into them. How do you know if something is the real deal? Well, we see the first reason at the start of the first sentence in sentence 46. We see these words, Thus it is written. See, one way to give credibility to something as being the real deal is to make good on a promise that seems impossible. Imagine if we all woke up tomorrow and the moon was green, right? And we'd all go, what? That's crazy. No one saw that coming. But uh, if 10 years ago I, I said to you, on the 5th of April, 2021, we're all going to wake up and the moon's going to be green. Just imagine that that happened. If that actually happened, that would give me some serious cred to being the real deal, right? 
The thing about Easter, where we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection, is that Jesus didn't just die and rise and, you know, say, guys, whoa, I did this amazing thing. I I didn't even see it coming. You should come check it out. It's something seemingly impossible that was actually promised way before it happened. See, 700 years before Jesus, God made some very specific promises about what would happen. Let me show you just a few of them. He promised that someone would come who'd be pierced for our transgressions. Uh, In the biographies of Jesus' life, we learn that Jesus' body was pierced for sinners, in the place of sinners. Uh, It was also promised that this person would be despised and rejected by men. And we see that happen in every account of Jesus' life. And lastly, it says, he poured out his soul to death. He really, really died. And not only that, Jesus' resurrection was also predicted. Psalm chapter 16, sentence 10 says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, that is, the place of the dead, or let your Holy One see corruption. This person from God who dies in the place of sinners is promised that he won't stay dead. And he didn't. See, Jesus didn't get killed accidentally and think, that didn't really go so well, I should probably come back to life now. It was God's plan that we saw promised way before it happened. And it's one of the reasons that can give us confidence to believe that Jesus is the real deal. That's the point of that first phrase, thus it is written, Jesus did exactly what God said would happen. But is that the only way we know Jesus is the real deal? Far from it. The next thing we see, uh, Jesus was the Christ. That's what we get in the next little sentence. Throughout his life, Jesus proved that he was who he said he was, the Christ. See, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. He's not the son of Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. Christ is a title. It means God's promised king. See, there's promises throughout the Old Testament that God would one day send a king to rule the world and save his people. And there was kind of a checklist of things to look out for so that you would know when you saw that this person was the real deal, the Christ. Here's a bunch of things that are on that list. The Christ would heal the lame, the sick and the blind. He would preach good news to the poor. He would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He'd be rejected by his people and he would suffer for the sins of others, even though he himself was blameless. And as you look through Jesus' life, you see that he actually does every single thing on this list, plus more. Because there's heaps more reasons than what we just see in these two sentences. The last thing we see is to do with witnesses. Because it's easy to say that Jesus died and and rose again, that's easy. But how would you know if it really happened? You'd need witnesses, right? You'd need more than one, and you'd need ones that are reliable. In this passage, we see that Jesus suffered and rose from the dead, and he says, you are witnesses of these things. People physically saw Jesus die and rise from the dead. There's witnesses. There's actually heaps of them. Eleanor talked about a part of the Bible where a guy saw Jesus and he's writing a letter to his friends. And in that letter he says, over 500 people just at one time saw Jesus risen from the dead. Uh, This was written at a time where you could have easily checked out those stories and asked people. 
And that's actually what this guy says. He says, most of them are still alive. You should go ask them. Check it out. Heaps of people saw that Jesus is the real deal. And not just any people. Reliable people. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you feel like this, sometimes we can think that, you know, back then, back in the day, people were, you know, they were just gullible. They would have believed anything. But the truth is, they were just as sceptical as anyone today. See, who are the you Jesus is talking to when he says, you are witnesses? Well, he's talking to his followers, people who rejected him, people who ran away when he was captured. They were timid, afraid. They completely denied even knowing him. See, the last thing they were expecting was a resurrection. They were complete skeptics. But something happened that completely changed them. They went from being people who ran away, completely afraid, denied even knowing Jesus, to being witnesses in front of the most powerful leaders at the time, getting killed because they won't stop saying that they really witnessed Jesus die and rise from the dead. That kind of transformation, it doesn't happen when you decide to make something up. They really saw Jesus die and rise from the dead. There's, a, there's this guy, uh, Charles Colson, who was involved in a famous political scandal in the US. It was called Watergate. You might have heard of it. Uh, it involved President Nixon and kind of 12 of the most powerful people in the world at that time as they tried to cover up this scandal. Now, this guy, Charles, he became a Christian later in life as he was in jail for his involvement in this scandal. And th this is what he says. Let me read it to you. I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Is Jesus the real deal? Uh, was he who he said he was? Did he really die and rise from the dead? A lot of evidence points to yes. You should check it out. But even if it is true... Why does it really matter? See, even if I had really met Steve Smith, it's a kind of a cool story, but it doesn't really make any difference to you whether I'd met him or not. So why do the things that Jesus did actually matter for you? Well, Jesus says it's because you need forgiveness. Uh, there might be lots of things in life you think you need. Uh, in our house, household, I think that we need a, a blanket that's extra thick on one side and really thin on the other side because I'm always boiling hot at night. My wife's always, always freezing cold at night and I usually have two fans going at the same time. I don't know if you feel like you need one of those in your household. Um, or you think you might need one of those alarm clocks that kind of makes coffee ready for you to go as soon as you wake up in the morning so you're smelling the coffee, it helps you to get up. You might think you need that. Or maybe you really who you haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, there are lots of things in life we need, things we really need. But Jesus says that out of all the things in life that you need, the thing you need the most, and the one thing that every person universally needs, is forgiveness. Why? 
is because forgiveness solves the biggest problem that every person actually has. So the biggest problem you really have is sin. You might have a lot of problems in your life, but your biggest one is sin. That's what Jesus says. And what does that mean? Sin is one of those religious words where people sometimes use, and you feel like you're meant to know what it is, but you don't really know what it is, but you kind of pretend you know what it is. Uh, let, let me tell you what sin means. Sin is rebelling against God by moving from two to one. Sin is rebelling against God by moving from two to one. What's that? How does that help? I've just made it worse. Let me explain. See, God made the world. He made us. God is the ruler of the world. And since God made it, he's the king. God is number one over everything. But out of his love, he made us, and he made us his number two. It's kind of his two ICs in the world to rule the world under him, to live his ways and to live with him as first place in our lives. That's the way God made it, and that's when things work well. The Bible tells us that sin is when we rebel against God and we try to overthrow him from first place. We rebel against the king and we make ourselves king. We make ourselves the ruler of our own lives, moving from kind of two to number one. We put ourselves in first place and we live, we do whatever we want to do, not what God wants us to do. And it's a catastrophic thing. The, uh, the Olympics is meant to be happening later in the year, and uh, we've got some pretty decent Aussies going along. Now, I want you to imagine that some of these Aussies, one of these Aussies comes in second place, right? Silver medal position, and uh, they're at the, uh, the ceremony where they're getting the medals presented, and, you know, Australia in second place, and she jumps up on the second place podium. It's going well. People are celebrating. Uh, and then the person who comes in first jumps up onto the podium. The Aussie turns around and looks at her, pushes her off the podium, jumps up onto the first place and go, no, I'm in first place. It'd be a massive scandal if that really happened. Can you imagine? It'd be completely offensive and a complete rebellion against the person who rightfully deserves first place, right? That is the heart of sin. That is what we do to God. We rebel and take him out of first place. And it is completely offensive, and it is a complete rebellion. Uh, now, the symptoms of our sin are everywhere. They're the things that show that you have this heart problem. Uh, things like lying to make ourselves look better than we really are. Getting angry when someone crosses the values that we hold dear. Uh, lusting after those things that you desire. Being selfish in your marriage because you're really more important. Uh, we do whatever we want to do because we're the most important person wherever we go, not God. The reality is we put ourselves first all the time and we rebel against God. And now this isn't just a problem for some people. This is a problem for everyone and God is rightfully angry. We need forgiveness, because without forgiveness, we will be rightfully punished for our rebellion against the king. And the punishment for rebelling against the king is death eternally, separated from God and every good thing. It's hell. We desperately need forgiveness, all of us. Whatever it is we think we need the most is nothing compared to how much each of us need forgiveness. But the good news is that we can have forgiveness. That's why we're here today, isn't it? It's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, even though we deserve death, 
because of our rebellion, Jesus offers us life. Jesus lived the perfect life that we didn't live. He, he died the death that we deserve and he rose so we can have forgiveness and eternal life. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus really did rise from the dead. It is the best news ever, isn't it? It really happened. Jesus is the real deal. And it really matters because Jesus rising to life means we can have life. And he offers life and forgiveness as a gift. And like any gift, all we have to do is receive it. The way to take hold of any gift, right, is to receive it. But how do we take hold of the gift of forgiveness? Well, it's that word that comes just before forgiveness in the words that Jesus spoke. Did you see it? Repentance. Repentance can be another one of those religious words where you feel bad if you don't know what it means, but you know you pretend to know what it means, but don't worry, because no one who actually uses the word repentance in real life, no one does. Uh, let, let me tell you what repentance means. Repenting is taking a U-turn. It's to stop traveling down the road that you're going on and turn around and turn to something else. It's turning away from rebelling against God, turning away from running away from Him to running towards Him and making Him number one. It's, it's a U-turn from trusting in ourselves to trusting in God. It's not about living in a way that earns God's forgiveness. It's about finally recognizing that you need forgiveness, knowing that there's nothing you can do to earn it, and turning from saying no to God to saying yes. Yes, God, I want to receive Jesus' offer of forgiveness. I desperately need it. If you're here this morning and this has raised some questions for you, it is really great that you're here. You are in the right place. Uh, maybe you haven't repented yet. Maybe you want to check out Jesus more because you're thinking, maybe he is the real deal. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Or maybe it's your first time and you're thinking, yeah, this is not bad. Uh, maybe I'll come back at Christmas to check it out some more. Can I gently say... There's enough reasons showing that Jesus is the real deal. And there's enough consequences for what that might mean. That it makes no sense to sit at home next Sunday and wait until Christmas. Jesus is the real deal. And it really, really matters. Because you really need forgiveness. It's too important not to check out more. What you do with information is up to you. But we'd love to help you check it out more. Check out Jesus more. And there's really two ways for you to do that. One is come back to church next week. We're here every Sunday. We love having new people. We're on about Jesus every single week. We would love to see you here. The second thing is come to Intro Jesus. Intro Jesus is an opportunity to specifically investigate Jesus in a really comfortable atmosphere. Uh, Rod's going to tell us a little bit more about it later, but you'll hear a short talk, be able to ask all your questions, be around other people in a similar uh, kind of like-minded people have some dessert. Uh, we're running Intro Jesus Term 2. Rod will tell you a bit more about that. But please come and find out more. If you already know Jesus, if you're someone who's repented, then today is just a day of great celebration, isn't it? This really is the highlight of the year, way more than even Christmas. Jesus really was raised, so you really can have life. You can know for certain that there's life beyond the grave because Jesus is no longer in the grave. It's amazing. So celebrate, thank God, take some time, just you and God, to marvel and give thanks. What a day. Is Jesus the real deal? Absolutely. Does it really matter? 
It means forgiveness and life for anyone who wants it. It matters a lot. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can really know that Jesus is the real deal. Thank you that we don't have to turn off our brains to have faith. Thank you that you aren't scared of us looking into you because you're really there and you want us to know you. Thank you so much that we can know for certain that there is life beyond the grave because we celebrate today that Jesus is no longer in the grave. We are blown away. And we are incredibly thankful as we remember and celebrate Jesus' resurrection today. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen.